1: Cynthia Hyatt.
2: Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm very glad that you're joining me this afternoon. And this is a great way to start your week. So we have a pretty special show for you today. The first half of it, we are going to talk about, you know, this ongoing issue for Christians of dying to self and what that really means and why God would even ask us to do that. And I'm hoping that you're going to get some really good insight about what it really is and what it isn't. So it can be a little bit more productive endeavor in your spiritual life. The second half of the show, we are having the vice president of this really amazing ministry. It's Global um, Gospel for Asia. And Danny Ohanan is the vice president, and he's going to talk to us a lot about what's going on in Asia, primarily also in India, and the amount of human trafficking that is going on and what, they're in, what their organization is doing to really help in that and really cut down on that and, and actually just completely come against it and help these um, these people that are being trafficked. And so I think you're going to really enjoy his ministry, also his own life story. His father started it, and I think you're going to really be very inspired, and it will also... I'm going to want to encourage you to pray for this organization and for Daniel himself. So let's start here with this idea of dying to self. And I'm going to first tell you that dying to self is not self-hatred, nor is it necessarily denying self, but it is an adult endeavor. And what I want you to know is that what, what we find is that in dying to self, find ourselves. And through dying to self, we will struggle less with self. In dying to self, we love better, we sleep better, we perform better, and we enjoy God's people much more, as well as his creation. We have better expectations on ourselves and on other people. We're more grounded. We really do have more peace. I know this for a fact because this is a constant endeavor that I really practice, and it is part of my value system, and it's it's an ongoing process every day of finding ways I have to die to self. Some days I do better than others, That I do know when I do it, when I really practice it, my life is really much better, and it hurts a lot less to be in this very, very fallen world. And I really do have more appropriate expectations on others and on myself. I have a lot more forgiveness. I have a lot more deference, and more tolerance, and more patience. So we also, we, we get to experience an overall just ease and general calm. So when you think of the life of Christ and how he managed living here with all the people that he was interacting with, and you know, it was really brutal, back then we we have no idea in america of how brutal it is we we don't we rarely see the the amount of pain and anguish that third world countries have and back in the time of christ pretty much the entire world was third world it was more in survival and they didn't have the medicines the doctors the cleanliness the the help police ambulance medical fire they didn't have any of that And so he's in this time where there was so much trouble, so much tribulation, so much pain and anger and abuse, rampant abuse, and just the denigration of humans and devaluing of human beings. Humans were property at that time, especially women and children. So I want you to think about when we look at the life of Christ and how he did it with such patience ease, deference, kindness, mercy, grace, still having really good boundaries and being able to take really good care of himself without it looking as if he was walking around like some rock star or something and needed special treatment. He really was just a person. He was a man. And he was with us and never judged us. And so I want you to know that God never instructs us Nor will he ever ask us to do something that brings no benefit to us. If it brings no benefit to his children or his creation, why would he ask that? Why would he direct us in that way? Because I want you to realize that anyone, any entity that has power, and God has tremendous power. Christ had tremendous power. Power is only to protect and to direct, to guide. That's why God gives power. That's, why, that's the way God uses his power, is to protect those that are weaker, to guide, to direct, to come alongside, to help. So power is never intended for control. That's what the enemy does. So when he asks us to die to self, it can feel like a relinquishing of power. When really what you'll find is you gain so much more power. You're so much more empowered. This is why the enemy doesn't want us to do this. So I came across this article by a woman named Jan Johnson. And she is a tremendous, tremendous writer, author, teacher, instructor. And um, actually, Billy Graham is the one that endorsed this particular article that she had written. So I'm very... um, I'm a very big fan of her, and she wrote an article entitled Dying to Self and Discovering So Much More. And so I wanted just to give you some highlights of this because she did such a great job. And And she starts out with the verse in Matthew 16.25. It says, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, that's, that's kind of a bold statement, and it sounds... I don't know, difficult to kind of comprehend or take in. And so I want you to think about what she is saying here. It's, it, to die to self is to set aside what we want in this moment, not necessarily what we need, all right? But it's the want piece, what I want to happen, how I want to feel, how I want to be seen, what I want to acquire or attain, And so it's setting aside what we want in that moment and focusing instead on loving God with everything we've got, which then leads us to valuing others as highly as we may value ourselves. Now think about this. This goes alongside with, you know, when we talk about the verse, "Love love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all this within you, and love your neighbor as yourself. So when we see that dying to self is valuing others as highly as we value ourselves, this is quite a challenge because I want you to ask yourself, do you value yourself? Do you value yourself? And when you value something, you care for it, you tend to it. It's important. You don't want to harm it. You don't neglect it. And this is really important. When we value others, we end up truly valuing others as we value ourselves. So if I don't value myself, then over, over the term of my relationship with someone, they're going to start experiencing how much I value myself because it will directly affect how much I value them. Because I can't give to another what I have not acquired. So if I don't know how to value myself, then I don't even know how to lay it down. This is why it's so important to recognize that the enemy loves this because this is a very complex concept. So when we are willing to set aside what we want for the better in terms of the other, this moves us away from self-centeredness and closer to becoming open-hearted followers of Christ who really deeply care for others. See, it's much easier to pay attention to the concerns and interests and needs of others when our own interests no longer consume us. Now, this does not mean that I don't have interests. This means that if I am truly operating as an adult, then I'm making sure I have what I need. If I'm not taking care of me, then I'm going to look for others to do that for me so that when I give them something, time, money, I do a a gesture, a kind word. If I'm not really caring for myself, I'm going to give that to someone with the expectation that I want it back. It's not going to be a free gift. It's going to come emotionally loaded. It's going to come with expectation. So the issue here is, if I'm an adult and I'm truly caring for myself, then whatever it is that others give me is just simply a bonus because I've already got what I need. And I'm making sure that I'm taking care of myself so that I give to others out of the abundance and not out of the deficit, hoping that if I, it, when I'm giving out of the deficit that somehow people are going to see that as some great gesture and they'll repay it. So this is really important. When Jesus described this dying process, it's to deny self, right? This deny self phrase, which is the exact scriptural phrase. He's saying, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, that sounds kind of bleak, but dying to self isn't bleak. It's not terrible because Jesus continued in Matthew 16 the verse 25, he says, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So in dying to self, we find that genuine life by depending on God, who provides much more than we could ever imagine, right? That our life then has more fruit to bear. So it's not only living a richer life with God, but it's also becoming more generous to others. And we've we've done a lot of shows on generosity and asking you, are you generous? Because when I have an abundance in my soul, I have so much more to give. So much more time, energy, forgiveness, deference, ideas, support, connectedness. Because I'm reaching out to people with a lot of love and joy. It doesn't mean I'm happy all the time. But I can, as an adult, handle contradictions. I can be sad about something in my life, and I can also be happy for things in your life. So adults can manage those opposites or contradictions. So we're coming up to a break, and we're going to finish this, this half hour looking a little bit more at what dying to self really looks like and then I want you to know I'm going to really finish it up next week and we're going to spend a lot of time next week on this issue I just don't want you to miss out on the guest of Daniel Yohanan so join me on the other side and I'll finish this up and we'll see the next time with the guest well welcome back I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. And if you listen to the first, you know, 20 minutes, we're going to finish up in this segment part of this uh, dying to self idea, this construct, this edict that God has given us and recognizing how to do it well and recognizing what it really means. So we're going to spend the next nine minutes or so, seven, nine minutes really talking about this. And I want to encourage you to stay with me as we really enjoy a guest from, um, this is Gospel for Asia, and this is Daniel Johan, and he's the vice president of Gospel for Asia, and he's really going to talk to us a lot about human trafficking, and really how rampant it is right now in the world, and what a, an amazing endeavor he is doing. So as we left off in that last segment, we talked about this whole dying to self, and, and now we're going to really look at what does it really look like, see as we die to self, we no longer try to get our own way or try to get people to look up to us. We, we stop, you know, offering unasked advice as if in, you know, all our self-importance we think we always know it better than others because it's really easy, right, to look at the outside of someone's life and have a great idea of what, why don't you just do this? If you just change this, then everything would work. And wow, wouldn't it be nice if it were that simple, Right. So people's lives are very, very complicated, very complex. So we have to be careful about this unasked for advice, even if it's well-intentioned, because we may not know the whole story. We may not know all the information. And so we may be oversimplifying something, and it can cause them to get even more tangled up. So we need to be careful about that. We want to really more come alongside someone and just simply be with them. And that's a lot harder than instructing someone or criticizing someone or gossiping about someone. So this dying to self means I let go of trying to make a good impression on others. And we find freedom from this self-focused life. And a, a woman, her name is Evelyn Underhill, and she describes it like this. I really like how she describes it. She says we mostly spend our lives conjugating three verbs, to want, to have, to do. Craving, clutching, and fussing. And we are kept in perpetual unrest. Quite simply, when we die to self, we're no longer obsessed with self. I love that. When she's, those three verbs, to want, to have, to do. And that's part of the self-obsession. And I, and I really want you to have grace for yourself, as I really work on having grace for myself, that the want, to have, and the do truly has a lot to do with pain and and I can't tell you how many times I say on this show and to others how painful this world is it has some amazing things in it moments and humans are amazing God's creation is amazing but it is painful it's a fallen world so God is always giving us an antidote that doesn't make sense see we would think with all that pain If we could just get what we want and if we could just have always what we need and desire and if we could just do the things that would make us happy, then we would be a really happy person and then we might be able to do a better job at God's work. But dying to self really truly actually makes life easier because we can be content even when we're overlooked or when we're misperceived. We can really honor others simply because God loves them. And when I honor another, it's out of deference to the Lord because he loves this person. Even in their mistake-making, messed-up, complicated self, he still loves them. And so when I love the people God loves, God feels loved by me. Think of how you feel when people love your children when they love your pets, when they love your friends, even when they're difficult. See, I have to ask myself, can I honor others above myself? And that's, that's Romans 12.10. But we can take this issue even deeper. Can I be secure without God's public recognition? How much do I actually need to be seen? Could I let God be in charge of my reputation? Will God's approval be enough for me? This is where we find ourselves relying on God for the small things. And this is the whole idea of companionship and partnership with God. And this is going to take us a lifetime. And it's a worthy endeavor. And I want you to not let the enemy shame you or condemn you or, or accuse you in your attempts this process of dying to self because we'll never arrive but the more we attempt it the better our life is and the better life is for others and the more we honor God we're never going to arrive but it's a constant endeavor it's a practice it's a discipline the same way as every day I don't eat the right things but for the most part I do because every day I endeavor to do that I don't always do everything. I won't ever arrive. But I'm going to always be working on the dying to self because it will never be accomplished until the day of Christ Jesus. So we want to start simple. And we want to know that starting small, and this makes significant changes that that really do occur. Ask God how you might deny yourself a little something every day. See, in our me-first materialistic culture, it might mean something as down-to-earth as reframing from sweets or junk food that's harmful to you. It might mean just not becoming defensive when ridiculed or humiliated or questioned. Not going immediately to anger or offense. Or maybe it's not buying the latest phone that you really want, because really the one you have is fine. And so as you follow through with these choices, watch how God meets your needs and how you find more life. You forget about the food as you engage in someone, when you engage with, with a person in conversation, and you find that someone else sticks up for you because you stuck up for them, and you're relieved that you don't have to struggle to learn how to use that new phone, right? That's always, wow, Quite, quite, a, quite an endeavor. So these daily behind the scene denials, they train us to be selfless in small ways so that when we find ourselves in the bigger struggles of faith, we more easily set aside those self-focused desires and think about others instead. And I have to really drive this point home. You can't truly think about an other. You can't truly lay your life down if you have not taken on your life to begin with. You can't give away something that you have not taken responsibility for, that you don't own. See, your life is yours. You need to own it, take responsibility for it. And the greatest gift is when we give our life to God, because he gave life to you. It's a gift to you to give to others or to give to him or both. So anything you're doing that you think is denying self, It can't really be denying self if you haven't taken on yourself because whatever it is you're giving is for the hope of getting. So we're coming to the end of this half hour. And I want you, if you like this topic and this is meaningful to you, make sure that you listen next Sunday because I'm going to really talk about this at length. Make sure you really stay on the line, stay on the air because I want you to hear Danny Yohanan from gospel for asia he has a great ministry that he's doing it's extremely meaningful and we want to really support it and pray for him as he really deals with the human trafficking issue so hang in there with me join me on the next uh on the other side and we are going to talk to daniel johannan Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for spending this hour with me today. And if you were listening in the first half hour, I said quite a, quite a few times that we were going to have a very special guest in this second half hour. And this is Daniel Johannan, and he is vice president of Gospel for Asia. And he really has made this ministry his own, and at a very young age... Daniel had really sensed that the Lord was calling him to reach out to those who have never heard the gospel. And so after high school, he traveled to India and attended seminary, where he graduated with a theological degree. And after graduating, he really he traveled to North India and worked in, in Delhi, Delhi, and later served in Nepal. And during his time in Nepal, he was really privileged to really work with ministries and a minister in some of the most really unreached areas of the country. And so in March uh, 2017, he was consecrated as uh, a bishop in Believer's Eastern Church. And this is an indigenous church in South Asia, along with 11 other bishops. And so he is today the vice president of Gospel for Asia and the bishop of Believer's Eastern Church. And he spends his time both on the mission field working alongside GFA's leaders and, he, you know, certainly serving in the headquarters. And he's based in Willis Point, Texas. Travels to the United States and other countries to speak on really what's going on over there. And, And I was talking to him off air and really said, I'm really wanting the listeners to be educated about what's going on in the world. We as Americans sometimes get very consumed with just America. And we have no idea what's going on in other parts of the world. And so he's going to talk a lot about the human trafficking, but also some of what's going on with intense amounts of flooding that is displacing millions, millions of people. So his wife Erica works alongside him, and they have three small children. So, Daniel, thank you for being with us today.
3: It's my privilege. Thank you for having me.
2: Well, we really appreciate the work that you do. And I would love it if you could kind of, you know, this is a little, kind of a short segment. So we have a couple minutes. If you could kind of get a broad brush stroke of what this ministry is and what you do.
3: You know, Gospel for Asia started about 40 years ago. 2019 will actually be 40 years of, of uh, GFA's existence. It started with a small prayer meeting with my parents, both praying that God would lead them to know what to do in the world of mission. And from that small, uh, humble prayer meeting, what God has done over the years is to uh, see Uh, literally thousands of these national workers, people from their own country who like the food, like the climate, like the bugs, know the culture and the language, uh, but can easily connect with the people, um, uh, their own people, and share the love of Christ tangibly with them. And we've seen literally uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people's lives uh, changed uh, because of the message of hope Um, Some of the things that we've done is, for example, we have a Bridge of Hope ministry, where it's the ministry to children. We have about 70,000 children that we help to be able to go to school in some of the most poor areas in the entire world. Uh, We also uh, provide clean water projects like Wells, Jesus Wells. Uh, most people don't realize that GSA um, is instrumental with our field partners to install more water projects and clean water wells than any other group in the entire world. Um, Literally thousands and thousands of these clean water projects. Uh, Besides those things, I mean, our heart is this, that people who don't know the hope of Christ would be able to have a chance to experience His love in some of the most desperate places.
2: And when they need it so desperately, I mean, literally, you know, Americans many times need it more emotionally, psychologically, because America is a very different place to live in. But they really, literally need God to show up for them.
3: Exactly. Uh, Very often we will go into places and ask them if they uh, know Jesus, and they'll literally say humbly, you know, my friend, uh, your your friend, Jesus, doesn't live here. Maybe check the next village, check oh that goodness. down that road, and your friend, Jesus, may be there. And so they just don't know. And when they hear how much he loves them, it really touches their
2: hearts. That is amazing. So we're coming up close to the end of this break. And so listeners, I really want you to stay with us because Daniel's going to talk more about you know, what issue they're spotlighting right now, which is United Nations World Day Against you know, Trafficking in Humans was July 30th. And that really brought some focus to the human trafficking issue. And he's also going to talk a lot about what, you know, we as ordinary people can do to make a difference in these really big problems that are happening. And sometimes we might just brush them off because they don't directly affect us and we don't know what we can do. And so I think he's going to also touch a little bit about what they're doing to really combat this whole issue of human slavery. So, Daniel, we have about 30 seconds. What, what, what would you like to say in terms of just what's really most pressing on your heart?
3: You know, I think the challenge before us, which you mentioned at the beginning of the program, is, is for uh, people to pray. Okay. I, I think that's the one thing, the gift that God has given to us that we can pray for the needs that burden God's heart and if we can simply pray this Lord would you burden my heart and break my heart with the things that That's break perfect. your heart yes
2: so listeners join me on the next segment as we uh, come back with Daniel Yohanan well welcome back to conversations with Cynthia and if you're just joining in I don't want you to miss the entire hour. You can always go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and just click the Listen button at the top of the page. It'll take you to all the podcasts, and you can listen to whatever part of the show you weren't able to hear. We have two parts. The first one, we started really talking about denying denying self and what that really looks like, which is a kind of a great precursor to the guest that we have today. And this is Daniel Johannan and he is the Vice President of Global Um, for uh, gospel for asia and he is also the bishop uh, over a big part of this in in his denomination and he's really battling the whole idea of human trafficking and then there is also extensive weather problems that are that is happening all over india and so i really want him to tell us certainly how we can pray he did a little bit of that in the last segment but what we can really do and to not just pass over this incredible amount of work that these people are doing in this part of the world, on uh, you know, for God's people, and that we need to love them as well, even without knowing them. So, so Daniel, thank you again for being on on the show with us today.
3: It's my privilege. Thank you so much for having me here.
2: Well, what can you tell us? What what, what is really on your heart that you'd like us to know? You know,
3: with the the uh, kind of the UN's awareness of um, the the human trafficking issue. Of course, it was uh, a little earlier this you know this year, but uh, the the awareness is something that people um, may not even recognize uh, that there are over forty million people that are kind of trapped in this uh, life of human trafficking. It typically, you know, what we think of the immediate thing that we think of is Either the red light districts, or the sex trade, or uh, human trafficking, stuck into that very specific slice of human trafficking, um, that is a very devastating uh, part of the whole picture, and it's about 20% of the overall, even though it makes up about 80% of all, or 60% of all the resources that come in from human trafficking, but. Uh, Forty million people. I know these numbers are very large, and they it's kind of, people kind of glaze over.
2: Yeah, it's staggering. Yeah,
3: it's it's, it's about you know it's just, it's a, more than the population of Canada. Wow.
2: Um,
3: that that you would have to deal with, and so um, human trafficking is is uh, men, women, children that are locked into this life of um, helplessness and hopelessness, and you know it affects every single country, even our country here. Uh, We may not see it or recognize it, but it's actually here. And what happens is people that are in a state of vulnerability, either because of crisis or because of finance or because they were tricked or deceived into it, is usually how this happens. Um, In Asia and some of these places, uh, the promise of a better life or some person is offering um, a better job for the kids of a family and the parents, trusting that their kids will be taken care of, but the kids end up in bonded labor. Um, you know, you'll find these children in brick kilns or firework factories, carpet factories, um, even online, you can go on, on you know, and do your own research on it. Uh, but it's heartbreaking to realize that so many around the world literally have lost hope because they have been stuck in this life uh, of human trafficking because just they ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time. And very often simply because of being vulnerable that they ended up in this, in this way.
2: Well, it's always about having a need, a desperate need of some kind that makes them so vulnerable.
3: Usually it is, um, a great financial need that compels them to look for opportunities, um, these people are not looking for shortcuts in life. They right. are just looking to survive. And that's that's kind of what I think people glaze over when they see someone panhandling um, on the street corner. Yes, I think some people will take advantage of the money that they're given, and some people uh, make a lot more money than getting a, a normal, uh, consistent job. But how do you know who is who? Absolutely. How do you know which person is going to be there? And I remember one of our bishops on the side of the road We were walking um, on the streets, and he would stop and talk to the person who was asking for some change and some money, and this is one of the Asian countries, and, and he told me later, he says, I know some of these people are cheating me, and I know some of these people are not as poor as they seem, but how can I know the difference? You know, Jesus said... That whatever you do to the least of these, you're doing it to me. And we, you know, you never can know when someone is in need. And there's many organizations and ways that people can um, help those that are in need. Um, there's apps online that you can actually uh, find every uh, soup kitchen in your town and everywhere to be able to point people to the right direction. But the point is that we should be very careful that our hearts don't get hard towards those that are in need, either because they look different. Or because their situation is different than ours, or because we think that they are deceitful—it's um, that, it's no that, yes, it's that prejudging what, what their story is or right. what their history is.
2: It's that, it's that prejudging that the Good Samaritan didn't do, you know. Mm-hmm. And we can really learn from that story because, it, I, I mean, I know that I myself can judge if I'm not careful, and we—nobody likes to be deceived. Nobody likes to be tricked but i i you know tell people in my you know realm and my clients and patients and uh you know my friends and family just what you said i don't know their story what i do know is they must have a need of some kind because who would be doing this if there wasn't some great need
3: exactly and you know what what the lord expects from us especially those of us who claim to be disciples or claim to know the lord is that we would follow the Lord in the same heart and vain that He has, is when He saw the crowds, He was moved with compassion. And that's that's the overall yes. kind of emphasis when we see large numbers around us, and we see great things happening, like 40 million people locked into human trafficking that affects every single country entire world. Um, the, the basis is this, that if we can start with uh, meeting the needs of people around us, whether they are locked in human trafficking or not, the place where we begin is to make it a habit in our life to have compassion and kindness. Yes. And this sounds ridiculous, but it may be as simple as, you know, buying a cup of coffee for someone that is in need or getting, you know, paying for, paying for coffee at Starbucks for the person behind you and, and make it a practice in your life so that it's part of your normal Christian rhythm of life that when you run into people that are in need you already have this heart of compassion in you it's not something you just make up only when you see someone in need It's something that needs to become our normal practice in life
2: I think that's really well said because you know I was talking in the first hour about dying to self and dying to self also leads to generosity and generosity is truly the heart of God. And we many times, because we don't want to be tricked or deceived or we're impatient or whatever it might be, we don't extend pieces of generosity. It doesn't mean we have to give $100, but you're, like you're saying, a cup of coffee, just opening a door for someone. You know, these gestures that really elevate humans and instead of having it be me against you and you against me.
3: when we When we think of the... Uh, root understanding of humanity within the Christian faith, and this is this is not a modern thing. This is the the historic church, an ancient understanding, a timeless way of understanding that you read in Genesis where God said, "Let us make man in our image." And of course, there's all aspects of that, not just the capacity to love or to choose and free will. All those things are there, but you find that there is this perfect love demonstrated in the unity of the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and and God has made us in that image to be able to express that kind of love to others so that others will be drawn unto Him. And so you, you see this need even within us as believers that this heart of compassion is something that can grow as we pray and ask the Lord to help us but also to demonstrate it it's something that we grow in as we do it not just that we wish for it and just like you said it's just in simple acts of kindness in the name of Christ is what develops that heart of discipleship and that's also where it leads to us seeing the opportunities on a bigger scale to be able to help people in need
2: Absolutely I, you know I think that we just we forget and we get locked into our own world and I'm glad to have you on the show talking about this, you know, and I would love to know what are some, are you feeling like there are some successes? And I'm sure that the enemy comes against you and always, and wants to discourage you. I can't imagine taking on something this big in this manner. That must be exhausting sometimes.
3: Yeah, I'll paraphrase something that you know, <laughs> Mother Teresa said. Um, she, she said something to, to this effect, you know, if you, if you can't feed the hundred, at least feed the one. Oh, I love that, and yes. You know, sometimes sometimes we, we get discouraged because we see the the massive amount of challenge before us. And it, it's always going to happen. And you, you watch TV or you listen to radio or you read something about some amazing story of someone doing something. Like at the beginning of the program, I mentioned that. You know, our ministry helps over 70,000 children, and we want to see a half a million children. Now, that can be encouraging or it could be very discouraging for someone to listen and say, well, I can't do anything.
2: Right. But the right.
3: reality is each person could help maybe one child.
2: Well, I think, uh, you know, I think it's it's that's not, the key. You know, I tell clients yeah, all the time, Jesus changed the world one person at a time. The only time he spoke publicly was one-time one Beatitudes. Otherwise, he changed the entire world one person at a time. And if we could just do exactly. one person, one, who knows what that person is going to do to change others?
3: I, I truly believe that. You Well, know, that's, that's my challenge also for people when they pray, especially about human trafficking. It can seem like a daunting task that yes. is just far, far away. It's something that, uh, you know, we may not see, we see, we read, we just feel like it's an overwhelming task. But, you know, can we at least start by praying? Can, can there be five minutes each Sunday during the middle of our service where we stop and we actually pray for missions or pray for the needs around us? Uh, you know, I was mentioning that there was a statistic done, and this is not a criticism, it's just a fact. Um, someone did a study, not us, but um, of the uh, general census of believers praying in, in our country, and the average Christian prays about three minutes a day in our Mm. country, and the average pastor prays about seven minutes a day. And then we ask ourselves, why do we feel so weak within ourselves, and we don't feel like we have the power of God working through us? And part of it is because the gift of prayer that God has given to us, that we can agree with God's will to be done, as C.S. Lewis said, prayer changes me, that is what happens when we begin to pray for the nation. That's what happens when we begin to pray for the needs that break god 's heart is God enables us to be able to be those who can change those around us by his love and compassion
2: absolutely uh, you know i'm i 'm inspired and i'm i 'm glad to uh really add you to the prayer list because people that are doing the things that you were doing, you know, it can get exhausting. And sometimes it's a thankless job. And, you know, in spite of that, you are called to do this and, and I, you are honoring God. And I, I really believe that this is part of how God changes the world. So I'm thankful that, that you're doing this and that we can really pray for you. And so we have about a minute left, a minute and a half. What would you, what would you like to say just in parting?
3: I would like to, you know, encourage people to, like I mentioned, pray, but where can you find prayer requests? Uh, TV, internet, radio, uh, you know, you're in, there are so many yes. sources of, of prayer requests where uh, people can get together and actually pray for the needs of the world. So like right now, there's major, major flooding happening in South India where a million people are displaced. It's a great opportunity to get the family together and, uh, and, and pray. Um, On top of that, I would encourage people to use their contacts and bring awareness to their friends and family. The other day, I texted about 75 people to let them know about the flooding and and challenge. And then third, if people can go to our website, gfa.org and learn more what people can be praying for, learn more about what's happening with the tragedy of human trafficking,
2: but also well, thank you. the flooding. Yes, thank you so much, Daniel. And make sure, listeners, that you go to his website, and you really become a partner in prayer. To
1: hear today's program again, or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.